But Narina, just looking at what's happening in China. Now, the rise of China in world markets is a subject, uh, you know, which we are all too familiar with. Mm -hmm. But I see that it has slipped into second place behind Japan when it comes to owning U.S. debt. Now, why (laughs) is this the case? Yeah, you know, we're not we're not used to seeing China being second in anything nowadays, are we? (laughs) This is true. Um, But you know, Japan and China have been the largest holders of U.S. debt for quite a long time. Um, Even today, still, they both own more than 1.2 trillion U.S. dollars in U.S. government bonds. And I think this is probably the reason why we see that the U.S. dollar is not really able to weaken the way that it should because um, China and Japan can't really afford to have a very weak U.S. dollar because that's going to negatively affect the value of these holdings of U.S. bonds that they've got. But the interesting thing is that at the global financial crisis in 2008, um, China overtook Japan as the largest holder of U.S. debt. And this is a position that they held for about six years until this um, earlier this year when they when the news came out that they've now slipped into second place. And the reason for that is quite interesting. Um, although both Japan and China have been reducing their holdings of U.S. debt, um, China has been doing so a lot more aggressively than, than Japan. And although the, the relative weakness of the, of the um, Chinese economy is one of the reasons why they possibly have less money available available to spend on U.S. debt, I think a bigger reason for it really is, is that China has been very aggressive in diversifying its holdings away from the U.S. dollar and from the U.S. They've really been trying to sort of push the idea of the yuan as a reserve currency, so they've increased their holdings in European region, in the U.K., um, in the rest of Asia also, really making them a lot more um, resilient sort of to changes that are happening in the U.S. and maybe putting Japan um, a, a little bit more at risk of what's happening in the U.S. Absolutely. And then, of course, Greece, uh, the story that just won't go away. Yeah. Now, they're back in the news, I see, and it seems as though they are turning their focus outside of Europe to look for support. But but is this just about financial help, or is there more to it, Norina? Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it seems like this, as you say, this is a story that just won't go away, and, and we feel a little bit like the, the little boy who cried wolf. You know, you sort of ask yourself, <laughs> how many more times must you hear about a potential of a Greek default and, and, and maybe Greek exiting the euro, but um, increasingly we're finding that that various parties in Europe are, are taking a very hard line against Greece, and I think this is in particular because of of inaction on the side of the new um, Syriza government in in Greece, who's just not been able to to come to the party in terms of the austerity package that is required in order to release the next round of payments from Europe to 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 well I shouldn't per se payments, but rather money uh, rescue money available for them to repay their loans. Um, so these, these are very real chance at this stage that when the next payments are due in May and it's in the region of about a billion euros that they've got to pay that Greece definitely will not be able to do so. So earlier in the week we spoke about those those meetings in Washington um, of the IMF that starts today. So the, the Greek finance minister Yanis Varoufakis is, is there for, um, for those meetings and yesterday he, he specifically asked the, um, the IMF whether they would please um, sort of back them and allow them the money to and, and uh, Christine Lagarde was quite emphatic in saying no, definitely not so. So now he has a meeting with Barack Obama. Um, I don't know if he thinks that, that Barack has got the money to lend to him, but uh, he seems very excited about about that. Um, Obama's people are saying, no, no, 
know, this is just going to be a very quick five-minute chat, so definitely no, <laughs> no help forthcoming from that side. So. Well, Marina, perhaps he's just excited at the prospect of meeting Barack Obama. <laughs> very, very true. I'm sure that's the reason. <laughs> and then I see uh, Richard Branson of the Virgin Group, and he's, of course, a regular visitor to South Africa. And yesterday he cashed in on a very lucrative investment here in South Africa. Tell us about that. Well, how about that? You know what, he's, he's a, been a long-standing friend of South Africa, um, going back to a very good friendship that he had with uh, with former President Nelson Mandela, and it was it was back in the 90s when Mandela actually um, uh, was supposed to. Or, uh, the story goes that he called Richard Branson and actually asked him to inv- um, to to invest in in South Africa, and that was really the start of um, the Virgin Group, the Virgin Active Group in South Africa, and that is an investment that for Richard Branson has turned from a, a couple of hundred million rand into a price of 12 billion rand for just 80% of the Virgin Active Group. This was sold yesterday to Breit, Breit, the private equity company. Um, you might recall that they are sitting on a lot of cash after Steinoff bought their Pepco stake from them. And there's been a lot of um, speculation around what they would do with that cash. Well, yesterday we saw them spending half of that cash. So that 12 billion is half of, of, of what Breit has on their books. Um, and, and interesting, this is not just the, the Virgin Active gyms in South Africa. This is the Virgin Active Group worldwide, um, 80% that they that they bought of that. Um, so interesting to see what they will end up doing with the other 12 billion rand that they that they still have on their on their balance sheet at this stage.